Good morning, church. You may be seated. We'll get back up in a little bit to read our passage, but not yet. Are you all with me this morning? You sure? Are your phones on in front of you? Anyone looking at social media? I wonder how many of us this morning have already done that. How many of us, I wonder, woke up and the first thing we did was roll over and start scrolling? Opened up a news app, see what happened. Open up Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or Parlor, Truth Social, whatever it is you're into, your flavor. How many of us already today have consumed more information in a few hours' time than our grandparents would have in the entire day? We love it. We open the app, we start scrolling, we get those little hits of dopamine pounding off of our brain cells. The president did this thing. She's dating him. There's another balloon. You'll never guess where it is. Information is constantly coming at us. Social media is just one of the things on the World Wide Web, but we've got a web of information out there at our every moment disposal. You want to know something? We can get it. Hey Siri. Oh, no one's stuff went off. <laughs> Alexa. Oh. We can constantly get whatever we want now. Information is what the World Wide Web was built to deliver. In fact, we even have services on that now that can go and get information for us and put it together in different forms. Maybe you've heard of OpenAI's service called ChatGPT. It's all over the news right now. It's just one of many. There's lots of others out there, but it's an AI, an artificial intelligence that can chat with you. It scans the recesses of the internet to synthesize answers to your questions. You can ask it a question, and it gives you an answer based on a variety of different sources that it finds. You can ask it to write a haiku, and it writes one, like this one, about itself. Silent in the code, ChatGPT waits to be called forth to share its knowledge. Thank you. That's a little scary, though, isn't it? It waits to be called forth. That's what it thinks about itself. It doesn't really think, by the way. Anyway, you can use it to write a sermon. Let me know at the end what you think. <laughs> this artificial intelligence can only ever, though, spit out what is put into it. It takes the information from the web puts it into the sausage maker and spits out sausage. It takes that information and puts it together, response, its responses from a vast array of sources. It can potentially be a helpful tool 
but I'm afraid we're looking at things like these AIs with the same faulty lens that we look at the rest of the web today. It's a source of information. It is content. It's a whole job these days, content creator. Actually, my job today. <laughs> content creator, web developer, we all do these things now. We do it because people consume it with greater and greater voraciousness. But if we were honest, are we any smarter a society today as a result of all of this knowledge, all of this information? Does increasing the amount of information or the variety of sources of that information cause us to progress as a society? It does cause us to change, but maybe not get better. What we need is not more information. What we need is wisdom. Wisdom that isn't drawn from the depths of the information and sources of the internet, nor of all the dusty books in the Library of Congress. Another chat GPT haiku for you. The Library of Congress, a treasure trove of knowledge, world's largest library. Previous generations, that's where you'd go if you wanted to get lots of information. No, what we need more than knowledge of mankind and this world can give, we need wisdom, but not a wisdom of the world that is centered on man, that could be discussed with Corinthian philosophers. We need a spiritual wisdom that comes from God and is centered on God's glory that we get to experience. This is what Paul is going to talk to us about in our passage today. So let's read it together. Now you may stand. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts? except the spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. So, looking forward through this sermon, let me just give you an outline of where we're going to go. First, big point, what wisdom do we need? Second, big point, how do we come to know that wisdom? 
What wisdom do we need? And how do we come to know that wisdom? Now, there are other subpoints under there, but that'll give you a lay of the land. So if you've been following along as we've been reading 1 Corinthians, the word this passage starts with, in the Greek, it's emphatic, wisdom has been getting a bad rap from Paul. Paul seems to, up to this point, not be a fan of wisdom. Chapter 1, verse 19. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Next verse. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 121. The world did not know God through wisdom. 127. God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. If you just skim through chapter 1, you might come away thinking that Paul wants us to be bumbling idiots. But not if you follow Paul's logic closely. Yes, last week, if you remember, we ended that passage with this. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. So Paul came to the Corinthians without wisdom, he said. Not with words of wisdom. Why does he say that? He says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men himself, but in the power of God. But in the next verse, in this first verse that we're reading today, he continues on. He says, but we do impart wisdom. So which is it, Paul? Are you pro-wisdom? Are you anti-wisdom? You fur it or you again it? Well, it depends on what you mean by wisdom. Of what wisdom are we speaking? Up to this point, Paul's been referring to the philosophical wisdom that was rife throughout Corinth and Athens. Those who Greek society held to be someone's, the important people, the smart people, the powerful people. They were a separate class. Some might even call their thinking mature. But that kind of wisdom and that kind of mature person is not what Paul is referencing here. Paul has a different wisdom in mind. What later he'll call a wisdom wrought by the Spirit of God. Found in words not taught by the wisdom of man, but in words taught by the Spirit. So, sub-point of number one here. What wisdom is not? This is where he starts. Paul says, it is not a wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, which are passing away. By wisdom of this age here, he's speaking of the overall zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, the current cultural beliefs of what was and wasn't wise or important. It was the wisdom of the rulers of this age, which are passing away. They're being done away with. So also this kind of wisdom is passing away. It floats off and dissipates. It isn't solid or permanent. So in reality, it isn't wisdom at all. It seems wise to the Corinthians who thought of themselves as mature, but to Paul, it smelled of foolishness. But that kind of wisdom and that kind of mature person is not what Paul is referencing here. As a word of application, 
Be careful about who you're looking at for so-called wisdom. And be careful for following after wisdom that is new. If a new wisdom comes on the scene, then there will be a day when you see it fade away as old, no longer useful. Just like what Paul says here about the rulers of this age. They are passing away. There was once a time when they were not. They came on the scene and everyone hailed them. Where are they now? This is not the wisdom of the eternal God who endures. An enduring, eternal, infinite God's wisdom does not change. Wisdom coming from Him does not pass away. It endures. So then, second some point, if that's what wisdom is not, what is wisdom? So if we're supposed, supposed if supposed wisdom that passes away isn't actually wisdom, what kind of wisdom is Paul actually endorsing here when he says we do impart a wisdom or we do speak wisdom? In verse 7 he says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. What Paul is referencing here, what he is pushing forward here, the wisdom he's talking about, he calls it a secret and hidden wisdom of God. This wisdom to which Paul refers here is not a secret in the sense that we need to look for the special letters in the Bible. You know, the, the special ones that they're just discolored enough. The printing press people all know about it. If you look and it's the letters that are just a little bit wider than the others, if you gather all those together, you'll find out what this secret wisdom is. No, it's not that. If you count every seventh letter in the book of 1 Corinthians, you'll get a special hidden secret message from God. No, that's not what he's talking about here. When he's talking about the secret hidden wisdom, he's talking about the gospel itself. Let me show you my point here. If you want to gain wisdom then, you must look to the gospel. No, you say, the gospel is just a doorway into knowing about God, but after that you need to attain a higher level of knowledge. You need some deeper theology than the gospel, right? You need a, to really understand the numbers in the Bible. If you understand that three means this and seven means that and ten, oh, don't get me started on ten, then you'll really understand God's wisdom. That's not what he's talking about. You need some really good charts and graphs to understand the end times. Then you'll understand the hidden wisdom of God, right? No, no, and no. The gospel of Jesus Christ, yes, is the entrance into knowing God. But at the same time, it is also the pinnacle of knowing God. Brothers and sisters, you never grow past the gospel. It is the wisdom of God. Well, what is this secret and hidden wisdom then? So let's be clear what the gospel is. 
The gospel means, to be translated literally, good news or a good message from the Greek. It is good news that God created the world in six days and declared it very good. But after that, Adam ate of the fruit that God told him not to eat and said himself and all of his progeny, including every single one of you and me, and all of creation, including the stars out the billions of galaxies away or whatever was said earlier, all of creation falls into sin because of what Adam did and are now opposed to God. And being opposed to God, we have been cursed. God would have been just at that very moment to wipe away his entire creation. All of it. Every atom, molecule, gone. He would have been just to do that. He is the just judge, the righteous creator who created all that is, every single thing, for his own glory. Students, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's also the chief end of everything that exists. Your puppy, to our cows, to the trees. Everything exists for His glory. This was the chief end of all created things, to bring glory to God. But we, in Adam, began to glorify ourselves to put our own selves on the throne. And as a result, we were separated from God. But God promised there in the garden that the seed of man would crush the serpent's head. Even in the midst of the fall of the garden, we see God setting in motion His plan of wisdom. What Paul calls in our passage today His secret plan, His secret wisdom. It is hidden. Literally, Paul says in verse 7, we are imparting a wisdom from God in a mystery which has been hidden. We see God weaving this crimson cord of the gospel throughout the Old Testament, providing an ark to save a remnant from His wrath in the flood, providing a lamb to stand in the place of His people as a wrath poured down on Egypt in the night of the final plague providing a sacrificial system to teach His people the necessity of the sacrifice to atone for sins, to avert His wrath. This crimson cord of the Gospel, so flagrantly flaunted in Isaiah 53, surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. With His stripes, we are healed. All we, like street sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to His own way. The Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And yet, He opened not His mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. This secret, hidden, mysterious wisdom of God in the gospel was not plan B. 
Paul even says in our passage today that it was predestined. Predestined. It was decreed before the ages, before light was separated from darkness, before H and O were put together to make water, before the Spirit was hovering over that water, God decreed, we're told, before the ages, this wisdom. God planned for the wisdom of the gospel to come to us. So then, why did God plan the gospel? Why did he do it? Well, Paul says at the end of verse 7, that God planned this hidden wisdom, why? For our glory. Not our glory to glorify ourselves, but so that we might be with Him in His glory. That is the only glory we get, is by reference to Him. For we're told later, He is the Lord of glory. Glory is what He creates out of Himself. It emanates out of Him. Paul explains a little bit later in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 15, verse 40. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory for the stars. For star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. For us to live with God once again, together, like our father Adam did in the garden before the fall, for the original creation to proceed, God's people in God's place with God, so that we could experience this glory with God once again, God, before the ages began, wove into creation this hidden wisdom so that we can see and know and experience the glory of God. That is the good news. But in what way is it hidden? Because many people don't see it, do they? Look in verse 8. None of the rulers of this age knew it. How do we know they didn't know it? Well, Paul says, they, if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They had access to the same books that Paul had. They had the same knowledge that Paul had. The same information that Paul had but it did not seem wise to them. The result of having knowledge without wisdom is death. So, yes, it is hidden from those who are not able to see it. What Paul might say here is those who are not mature, because that's who he imparts the wisdom to, is the mature, he says. To further explain his meaning, Paul breaks off into a, a verse, a quote. 
He says, but as it's been written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, that we impart, that we teach, that we speak. And we don't know exactly what Paul's quoting here. Not an exact reference to an Old Testament passage like he normally would. Could be that he was like riffing off of Isaiah 64.4. Could be a passage from something else that the other Christians knew then. Maybe it was a verse from a hymn. We don't know. But he's using it here to reference this wisdom. To further his argument. God is preparing something glorious for those who love him. But this thing that he's preparing, what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what man has not imagined, we hear that referenced a lot talking about heaven, isn't it? But that's not what Paul's talking about here. Why it's important to be sure that we're referencing scriptures in the context of the scriptures. Paul here is talking about the secret hidden wisdom. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what man could not have imagined. As one commentator said, this gloriousness is not observed by empirical sources. Eye has not seen, hasn't taken in information. Not traditional knowledge based on one's community. The ear has not heard. Or intuitive insight. The heart has not conceived. This great thing prepared by God for those who love Him is the wisdom found in the gospel. He's prepared it for us that we might know Him, that we might experience His glory. So, point number one, done. Passing on. Point number two, how do we come to know this gospel then? If it is hidden, if it is secret, if all the sages of previous ages were able to read the same text but did not understand it, how do we come to understand it? How does Paul speak and impart this wisdom? How have I been talking about it for 20 minutes already? How do we come to have thousands upon thousands of books and songs about this wisdom of the gospel? Well, it's not the wisdom of Paul over against the wisdom of Apollos or, Paul, or, or of Peter or of John, the way he references earlier in the book. This is the wisdom that comes from God. That is its source. That is how we get it, from God. But how do we get this wisdom from the divine? We know about God's wisdom found in the gospel because that wisdom has been revealed to us. It has been revealed to us. Look at verse 10. These things... God has revealed to us through the Spirit. This wisdom which we've been speaking of is not something attainable except by the Spirit of God revealing it to us. It was hidden, and God has unhidden it. He has taken the cover off of our eyes. So then, question to ask Who is the Spirit? You may be asking, why do we need the Spirit to get this wisdom that has been hidden? We're pretty smart. Can't we just understand it? 
So let's clarify something here. The wisdom of the gospel is still hidden to those whose eyes and ears have not been opened to it. They still can't understand it. Tell me. Thank you, Eliana. That was what I was looking for. That was nonsense to you. Why? Because you don't speak Turkish. You heard it. It's right there in front of you, but you didn't understand it. This is the case for all who don't understand the wisdom from God. It's like another language to them. They read or hear the words of wisdom of God in the gospel, but to them, it just seems like nonsense. So how do we come to speak this spiritual language of the hidden wisdom of the gospel? Well, as we've seen already, God reveals it to us through his spirit. But who is the spirit? The spirit, Paul says in verse 10, how does he define him? He says, he is the one who searches everything, even the depths of God. We're then given a human example. Paul says, For whom among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit which is in him? You don't know what I'm thinking, do you? Just like I don't know what you're thinking. I could guess. Yes, we all wish Chick-fil-A was open on Sunday. But it's not. Maybe I got some of you with that one. I don't know. But I don't know what you're thinking, really. I can't intimately know your thoughts, your feelings, because I am not you. Therefore, I can't know what you're thinking. We are separate beings from one another. So we can't fully know the depths of a person's heart, of their mind, of their soul. That is even more true of God. If God has hidden it, we are not finding it. But there is one who does know the depths of God. Of his knowledge. Of his wisdom. We would never come close. Because we are created things. He is the creator. We are finite. He is infinite. We are temporal. He is eternal. So if we're going to know something of this creator God... It needs to be revealed to us, unhided. And that is just what the Spirit who searches the depths of God does. Verse 11, Paul tells us, No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So, why does the Spirit reveal this hidden wisdom to us? This Spirit, who we reference as the Holy Spirit or of your King James, the Holy Ghost, who we first see hovering over the face of the waters, he knows all knowledge that there is to know. Before there was, he was. Searching, plumbing the depths of God. He knows about external reality. He knows about eternal divine reality. He knows everything. And all the things that he knows 
of all of them, what does he choose to communicate to us? The most efficient green energy? The secret to world peace? The best way to get sticker residue off of a new computer? If you need to know that, see Paul after the service. No. He searches through the depths of God and comes to reveal the wisdom of the gospel to us. Out of all the things we could know, out of all the things we might think we need to know, he comes with the secret hidden wisdom of the gospel. Why? Because the spirit we received, Paul says, is not the spirit of the world. Those are the questions and answers the world would ask and seek an answer to, but not the spirit of God. The spirit of the world may tell us all kinds of things that seem important, but Paul says, we receive the spirit who is from God. Why? Whenever you see so that reference, he's telling us a purpose. He's telling us a reason. We receive the Spirit who is from God so that we might know what is freely given to us by God. The gospel. It's righteousness from Jesus. It is punishment taken away from us by Jesus. That is why the Spirit comes to us with this secret hidden wisdom of the gospel so that we can ascertain what is freely given to us so that we can gain what is freely given to us. Next subpoint. How then do we get to know this spiritual wisdom? Verse 13. How does the Spirit of God communicate this freely given wisdom of the gospel to us? Through dreams? Through visions, through ayahuasca-driven escapes from reality? No. Instead, we come to know the hidden wisdom of the gospel revealed to us by the Spirit through the very words that we read here in the Bible. Now, yes, that sounds like I'm making a doctrinal statement, but it's because I just read that from what Paul has written here. See what Paul says in verse 13. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Spirit. This describes the doctrine of inspiration. The Spirit inspires, inspirates. He breathes out the very words of God, we're told here. This is what we need. Notice it's not a vague picture of spiritual realities that the Spirit is somehow communicating to Paul, and so Paul takes those spiritual realities and tries to translate them and apply them to the Corinthians, to us? No, it's down to the word level, he says. The words of the Spirit. Not words taught by human wisdom, but words taught by the Spirit. Paul backs up this thought elsewhere in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture, all words that are considered Scripture are breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When we read the Scriptures, 
we are reading words written to us by God the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is teaching us here. That's what he's telling us here. The one who has plumbed the depths of God, who is God himself, has written us this book so that we might know the hidden secret wisdom of God. Paul tells us that the Spirit, at the end of the last verse there, he's interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. We cannot know the thoughts or the wisdom of God on our own. But the Spirit fully knows them. When we read the Scriptures, we are having the hidden wisdom of the Gospel given to us, opened to us. Spoken to us by the Spirit. As we read, He is interpreting the truths of the Gospel of God to those who have had their eyes opened and His Word revealed to us. He does this so that we might once again experience the glory of God, we're told. That we might look upon Him, God, without needing to hide in the cleft of a rock. As Paul will later say in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are able to look at the Lord now because of this hidden secret wisdom. We're able to look at Him with unveiled faces. As we are being transfer, transformed into His glory. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He imparts to us wisdom from the unknowable God. If you know God, it's because the Holy Spirit has done it. So in conclusion, let us not leave here without having considered whether we are looking to the wisdom that comes from the Spirit or to the wisdom that comes from this age or the rulers of this age. Do you hear the gospel message that you have sinned against a holy eternal God and are justly condemned to eternal punishment and separation from His glory, but through the perfect life, gruesome death, and powerful resurrection and ascension of Jesus, He has purchased a people for Himself, having paid for their sins on the cross and accounting His good works for them? Do you hear this and consider it foolishness? If so, then this secret and hidden wisdom is still a secret and is hidden from you today. Do give ear to these words, though. Hear the Spirit's words, not Paul's words. They are one and the same, but consider them differently. Don't hear Paul, man, writing to you. Hear God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you and ask Him to open up your eyes your, to give life to your heart, to breathe into your dry bones like we read it from Ezekiel a few months back, and to put flesh and sinew on you, to take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh because right now you are dead. 
and you need to be alive. You need to be enlivened by God, the Holy Spirit. That is what you can do. You can ask, Lord, open my eyes, give me a new heart. But if you do hear these words of God here and you find them to be wisdom, then give attention that you don't take this wisdom for granted. Hear what I'm saying plainly here. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a believer, what we would call a Christian, not in name, but in actuality, if that is how you describe yourself, don't pass by the wisdom found in the Scriptures. Clearly displayed in the Gospel. Seek after this wisdom that is able to bring you once again into the presence of the glory of the Lord. Know that you have done nothing to earn any special favors with God. You haven't low-key done some good enough stuff to have earned the right to gain this wisdom from God. As one commentator said, that it is revealed to us takes away all suggestion of superiority. We're not saying we know the secret wisdom and other people don't know the secret wisdom, so we're better than they are. No. The only reason we know it is not because we're smarter or better or wiser. That's what the Corinthian philosophers would, would argue. The reason we know the gospel is because it has been revealed to us. We were blind and the Holy Spirit took off our blinders. We were dead and He gave us life. Believers can claim no special skill or insight, only that God has revealed truth to them. As we read, or read, the Spirit is given to us, why? So that we might know what is freely given to us by God. It isn't earned, it's freely given. Don't be tempted by the wisdom of this age lifestyle that is being peddled to you out there. The gospel isn't just a set of information that any random bot on the web can retrieve for you. It is the very wisdom of God. Seek then this spiritual wisdom that alone can make you wise both to, in this age and in the one to come. Let's pray. Father, as we come now to the table... I pray that we would ascertain our status with you. Are we blind? Do we see this hidden secret wisdom of God and believe it and trust it? As we come and partake in these elements, are we giving ourselves over to what they mean? That we deserve death? but Christ died in our place. Are we willing to live that out this week? Be with us as we gather for this table. In your name we ask Jesus. Amen.